I like it spooky. Hey everybody, welcome to the I Like It Spooky Podcast. I'm Brian. I'm Jason. I'm Clint. And I woke up this morning and I looked out the window and there's a bunch of snow. And then I had to come down and turn on the computer and now I'm staring at these guys. It's really shaping up to be a pretty pretty good day, I guess, yeah. Hey, to see where your day goes from here. Like, once you get off here with us and you don't get to see our pretty faces, you're going to be sad. You're going to realize how much you love us. It's all downhill from here. Uh. <laughs> I've heard it'd be uphill from here. No? No. Two school both ways and ten foot of snow? Stop bringing up the snow. I'm going back to bed. This is enough. Just wait. It'll be 50 degrees probably tomorrow. Yeah, I do live in Michigan. That is true. <laughs> Yeah, the weather around here is about as finicky as the news. All <laughs> kinds of different stuff in the news from day to day. What do we got for news this week? I've got some exciting stuff to talk about. I know we just did our What We're Looking Forward To in 2023, and fuck, I can't remember if I mentioned this movie or not. I don't believe I did. But it's a Stephen King adaption of the short, uh, The Boogeyman. There's been a lot of trouble with this movie trying to get it produced ever since Disney bought 20th Century. I guess they were rolling, trying to get this going. It was going to be a direct-to-Hulu release. Now they got it rolling again as of 2021, got it done. It was supposed to be going to Hulu, but now it's exciting news. It's going to go to the theater now. That sounds pretty good to me, like maybe it's better than they anticipated or i'm not sure what the reasoning behind it was but this is uh written like the screenplay adaption is by uh local guys for us uh beckon woods who also wrote quiet place also wrote haunt and directed the movie haunt which was an amazing movie i love that movie so this one's coming out june 2nd this year into the theater uh, let me tell you a little bit about it here. It's about centers on a 16-year-old and her younger sister, both reeling from the death of their mother, who were targeted by a supernatural boogeyman after their father, a psychologist, has an encounter with a des desperate patient in their house. Kind of sounds exciting. Like, I, I don't know the short story at all, but I'm excited to see this. I love supernatural type stuff, so I wonder if the lady, like, put a curse on the house, or do you guys know much about it? No, I don't know much about it. Um... When you said the title, The Boogeyman, the first thing that popped in my head was in the 2000s, I think it was, mid to late 2000s, there was that movie, The Boogeyman, and that got a theatrical release, and I remember I went and saw it, and it was, it was kind of lukewarm, and then there was a couple sequels that went direct to video. I don't think they're related to what you're talking about, but something interesting that, that popped in my brain as you're talking about this, and that is, I've noticed lately a lot of films are slated automatically to go to streaming and direct to video or whatever, and then they they wind up getting theatrical releases. It seems to be a trend. I don't know if people are, you know, the studio execs are carefully planning their, their gambles or what. Well, and I bet when a lot of these movies were starting, we were in a time of the pandemic. So everything was slated to go to streaming. That's kind of like how their minds were shifting. And now that everything is supposedly getting better, it's kind of going back to the old ways, back to the theater. Yeah, I'd heard that the movie was getting strong test screenings was one of the things that pushed it to the theater. And I think a lot of people forget Disney released Barbarian last year. They had that movie. They bought 20th Century Fox, and that was one of the movies they put out 
And hopefully they're learning that if they do things right, horror can be very profitable. And Barbarian was very profitable. I mean, and this is probably a movie that didn't cost a lot of money to make. So they put it out and they do their due diligence and they're going to make a lot of money off of it. Beck and Woods are also playing in a theater here in the Quad Cities area, which is on the border of Iowa, Illinois. I don't know what's going on with that yet, but I doubt it'll be ready. Don't go across the border into Iowa, trust me. <laughs> I, I work there. I have to go there. I used to get cheaper gas there, but but you know, I don't think that theater is going to be open by June. I mean, that's only a few months away now, and I haven't heard much more about the theater, but... I'm excited. I wish it was because then maybe we could have got a premiere with all the people here. That would have been amazing. Maybe we still might be able to. Who knows? Some kind of premiere, not like the premiere. but Yeah, because you remember when they did a Midwest Monster Fest that first year, they premiered a Haunt Yep. at the Putnam? Was it the Putnam Museum Theater they premiered it at? I, yeah, I don't remember either, but maybe this does well and it leads them to um, getting some funding for another movie. I remember when that uh, that screening was, and I didn't go to it. I was like, I I don't I didn't know much about it. I didn't know uh, they came. They signed my uh, Quiet Place Steelbook, which I thought was great, and they had the haunt posters. They were talking about having them out in the trunk of their car, and I'm like, oh, that would be cool, you know. But I didn't wait around or nothing. And I think didn't we go back to my place that night and watch that movie because it was also available like on streaming, like right then that weekend. Or maybe I watched it another time, but it was somewhere around there. An amazing movie. If you guys haven't seen Haunt, check it out. Have you Have you guys seen uh, our friend Chuck Ryan? You know Chuck Ryan cosplay, and he's involved with the Valentine Bluffs fan film. He's got a new cosplay he's working on. Have you guys seen that? It's from the movie Haunt. I have. It's It's pretty cool. I've I've seen. I think I watched the movie once. So you guys obviously I think know more about it than I do. There's a bunch of different villain characters, and he's the uh, he's like a kind of like a skull zombie face mask, and he's got a chainsaw. All right, who's next? What do you guys got? Viral horror movie, Skinamarink, scares up over $800,000 in theaters. So it sounds like you've got a very limited release of this movie, Skinamarink. It's about a couple of kids. Their dad goes missing in the middle of the night. They wake up. Uh, all the windows and doors are gone from their house, so they start watching like old cartoons on a TV, and I guess it just goes batshit crazy from there. It was it hit a lot of festivals and stuff, and it's just getting a lot of buzz. It's coming to Shutter. It doesn't say in February. It doesn't say the date in February. You know, Shutter does like the release thing every month where they say what's coming out, what days for the month. I like this story because maybe two months ago, my nephew Matthew sends me a message on Facebook. He's like, "Have you heard of Skidamarink?" And I'm like, "This motherfucker's fucking with me." I'm like what? So I sent him back a message. I was like, a dinky dink? And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I was like, never mind. He's like, no, what are you talking about? I was like, if you don't know, you have to ask your parents. I can't tell you about a dinky dink. <laughs> I was just like, I thought he was fucking with me. So I'm like, then I start hearing all this news about this movie. I start looking into it. And I'm like, oh, it looks interesting. I mean, I think it only costs like $15,000 to make, like no budget at all. It'll be interesting to check it out. I'll watch it on Shutter. It was only like 690 theaters it was in, so it wasn't anywhere around here. Maybe Chicago or St. Louis. I'll go see it. I was trying to understand what the hell you said. I was like, Skinamarink? Is that? <laughs> so I looked it up, and they have like a lot of creepy-looking images of stills of the movie, and it looks interesting. 
So when it says, yeah, they wake up, find their father missing, and all the windows and doors in their homes have vanished. Some bad dream or... Yeah, I'm, I'm interested. I'll check this out. I'm glad it's coming to Shudder, as long as Brian still has his Shudder. And <laughs> I do. Watch. Okay, good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I got it fixed. And they gave me a 40% discount for the next year. Bam, there you go. I was thinking, like, I wonder if the song's going to be in it. You know, it's a kid's song. Like, you remember that song from when you were a kid? Is that Shrink, Shrink-a-Dinks? Skid-a-marink-a-dinky-dink. You know, I love you. I was thinking shrinky dinks like those. No, <laughs> yeah, it was like for, I don't. Was it like from Barney or something? They sang it all the damn time. But you know, like when you were saying the Grinch song, they could turn it like instead of "I love you," it could be like "I'm coming to get you." Change it up a little bit. We could start a band with just like kids songs turned into creepy adult songs. It's probably already a thing, but. None of us are talented. Well, at least I'm not. So no, I, I can't. <laughs> I can't play an instrument or sing. Well, it's down to Clint. Hopefully he's got talent for all of us. He's a one-man band. I just fucking talk a lot, so I, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll, narr- I'll narrate the opening to the album or something, maybe. You know? Yeah, that's an understatement, talking a lot. Uh, <laughs> 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 One thing that I'm picking up on listening to your to the, the news stories you guys covered is kind of like what I've been clamoring for and what I've been talking about is we need new, fresh material in the horror genre. And it's kind of like the writings on the wall. You talked about Barbarian. We, we've talked about A Smile before. Those were kind of sleeper surprise hits from last year, and they did well at the box office. You're talking about Skidamarink that you said made $800,000 off $15,000 budget. The boogeyman thing. These are all kind of original, original concepts, and they seem to be doing well, have an audience, and make some money. The big time Hollywood players still do things like this, and that is, we've talked about this a lot. Sean Cunningham, now that the legal battle is over, is going to be a rebooting Friday the Thirteenth. I'm not even going to go into that. We we talked about it several times in the news throughout here. We'll see what comes of it. But I just learned that he also wants to remake House from 1985 with William Catt. Uh, you know, just the last episode, we're talking about James Wan wanting to remake uh, Choppy Mall, wanting to remake uh, The Entity and, and Night of the Creeps. And now we've got Cunningham wanting to remake House. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, this, let's let's push forward with these with these new indie films and this new fresh stuff and, and go that route, I think. What do you guys think? Yeah, I like the fresh ideas. I don't know how the studios pick them though i'm sure there's tons of stories out there but i it's got to be hard for somebody who has created an original story to get in and get a theater or a, a studio to listen to them i don't know me just sitting here in a illinois iowa border it may be hard but it just sounds hard i mean i'm i'm all for if they want to keep making halloween movies but no yeah i like don't roll your eyes Brian. come on <laughs> now, now I'm on board for uh, original things, but I don't know. Yeah, maybe they'll keep coming, hopefully. I can't believe Cunningham's going after House. House is a classic. I think if they go the route that they did with like The Invisible Man that they remade a couple years ago, change the story, update it to you know current times, then you can be successful. But yeah, they're going for all these old cult classic movies that outside of mainstream, so... I think we've talked about this before, Clint. If 
it does anything, maybe it brings more people back to those movies and they see House, the new one, they go back and check out the old one and they fall in love with maybe older movies. That's the only positive I could see from it. I don't know that remaking House does anything for anybody. Except cash grabs, because people are going to pay to go see it. That's uh, yeah, and we're we're seeing it in television too. So I'm actually excited about this. But uh, you know, they recently rebooted, or not even rebooted. It's it's a sequel, but they brought back Night Court. It's got a mixed reactions on that, more more to the positive. But it's not a remake; it's a continuation. You know, they picked it up 30 years later and, and and ran with it. So you're seeing it all over the place. It's just not a lot of original ideas. Tapping into stuff from the 80s that if anything in the 80s was mildly popular, then we're gonna pick it up and run with it. They're gonna pick it up. And they're gonna try to make cash. What was the other thing I saw? Oh, Quantum Leap, which was one of my favorite shows from ever, probably one of my favorite shows ever, and that's getting a re- it's already been rebooted. It's out. I need to check that out. Like I loved Quantum Leap. I've heard mixed reviews. Would you? Did you watch the first two episodes of Night Court? Absolutely, I did too. First episode I watched, it was a lot of like hard eye rolls because I mean it just seemed like they were pushing too hard, trying too hard with just the 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 silliness. And then I said something to my daughter and my daughter or my wife or somebody, and they were like, "Well, that show was silly." I'm like, "Oh yeah, good point." <laughs> you know, it's just kind of and. I just worry. I hope they can just keep it going. The only issue I had with Night Court was if you pay attention to the tempo, it was a lot faster. And um, if you go back and watch the originals, they had a more, the tempo was a little slower. The delivery was a little more even. Where this one, it's just uh, like they're trying to rush it, you know, but a minor complaint. I thought it was funny. I thought it was great. Um, I'm going to go back and watch more. I hear they're going to do Cheers also. They're, they're talking about bringing back Cheers. Really? I like Cheers too. So, and of course, you know, kind of to wrap up the Sean Cunningham thing, um, I guess with the Peacock series that's coming out, which Sean isn't involved in, that's the Victor Miller TV project, the prequel. I guess Adrienne King is going to be a part of that show, which is, that's kind of cool to see her. You know, she's always been such a part of that uh, series, you know, to see her get some love and from that is cool. With that series, have they started filming it? Have they done, in, is it just talks? Is it? Because I keep seeing like little, I see people talking about it. I saw like a poster about it and I don't know what to trust. I haven't really read too much about it, but is is it coming soon? Is it going to be a next year thing? Are they just starting to work on it? Do you guys know? You know, as much as it's been covered, I don't know. I haven't seen anything on, I I, I don't think it started filming. Um, I don't think there's a release date. I think it's still just hype, hype, hype. Uh, Whenever it comes, I'll be excited. It's kind of like talking about how Sean Cunningham's going to reboot Friday the 13th. We've been hearing that in one way or another for months, but it's just the same information repackaged in a different pretty package. So, Just content, content, content. And somebody's putting something out that doesn't help. Hey, guys, guess what? What's that? What's that? I am really fucking poor. <laughs> really poor? I Yeah, I'm actually really, really poor. Why is that? Because well, I don't have any fucking money. That's why. How about you guys? Uh, Let's talk about why we're poor this week. I've noticed like this segment, it's getting harder now that, you know, we're post Christmas and I'm not buying as much. We're not in the con season. That's when I would buy stuff. I am excited about a couple things this week. Bottleneck Gallery. I love posters. I love prints. I love stuff like that. And um, there's an artist named Juan Ramos who put out, oh shit, Brian's got a stack. 
I just got to talk about mine. I can't really show you nothing yet. Juan Ramos, he put out a print from Halloween 1. And when it came out, I was at a period where I was like, man, I don't need more prints. Even though it was beautiful, I really wanted it. I never ordered it. And I was kind of sad about it. It's still on my eBay watch. I keep watching, hoping to find one affordable enough that I want to pick it up. It was only like 50 bucks when it came out. But the cheapest one on eBay that I keep seeing is like 130, 140 bucks, like with shipping. I really want it. I'll break down sometime and get it. But now he came out with a uh, Halloween 2 print, and I did not sleep on this one. I went ahead and grabbed it. It was a timed edition print, so there wasn't really a hurry. Like you just had to order it that day. There was like a 24 hour window. So I got that one ordered. It's beautiful. It shows Michael stalking outside. Um, it's kind of a cool shot. It shows Haddonfield Memorial Hospital, Michael in the background stalking, and Lori, like the scene where she's running and trying to get into the car. So I ordered that print. It won't be here for six to eight weeks. I think with the first one, it took a lot longer than six to eight weeks. So I'm, I'm not anticipating this one anytime super soon, but I did order that, and I'll probably talk about it more when it comes here. Another pre-order I got in, uh, I ordered this back in September. I may have talked about it then but I ordered the Halloween Inn soundtrack from Sacred Bones. Those finally came in. I got the art print. It's beautiful. It's got a, a foil print to it with Michael on the front, like the close-up of his mask, and then on the back, like a foil print with him holding the knife, and the color of the vinyl is beautiful. It's black, red, and white. It's really neat looking. Um, I need to post those up. I've gotten really lax about posting stuff. I'm terrible about that. It's beautiful. And I got another, I had to buy two copies because I got the Exploding Pumpkins and I already opened one of them. Sorry, Clint, but <laughs> I, I had to see it. I, I have to play it. So I'm going to open the other one too. Screw it. Like I, I opened them all. I don't care. So that's what I picked up. I'm excited. I got one thing in, pre ordered another thing. And now I, I need to start saving money. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's cool that you open stuff because actually, like way more poor than you are. And so you buy more stuff. So I think that your collection opened is going to be worth about the same amount as my collection not open just off sheer volume. Hey, I've got a place for you to spend some money, Jason. Uh, there's a convention coming up called, and I was going to book it, but I, I couldn't. It's coming up in Texas and it's called Cult Classics. And uh, Leo Rossi, they just announced Leo Rossi is going to be there. Oh, yes. Well, we've been, my wife and I have been talking about making a little trip to Texas. Maybe I'll just accidentally plan it that weekend and what do i got what do you, what do you got you got a big stack show me what you got so the first thing i picked up vinegar syndrome um had their subscriber week it's their 10th year i believe so every day they had like 10 movies for 10 bucks so the first thing i picked up with the slip cover is blades the killer lawnmower movie god damn it brian what <laughs> <laughs> So I, I need I need to borrow that. So Why? so our friend uh, Justin Beam was just on another podcast. Uh, there's another guy who makes videos. His name is Jeff. He he has a video or a channel called Films at Home, and I've watched his stuff for years. He interviewed Justin Beam just the other day. They posted the video, and they were talking about blades. It's like a Jaws knock knockoff about a lawnmower. Yeah, I got so excited listening to them talk, and then I went on to Vinegar Syndrome, and it was like. 25 bucks i was looking for that sale that they had talked about but it was over by then yeah you can stream it for free on tubi oh i, I don't even know why i didn't think about that i just i'll just but i still it looks cool i wouldn't mind owning it but yeah yeah it's a jaws knockoff there's a lot of easter eggs from other movies in there too 
like other 80s horror movies. Finley and I watched it. Another day, she's outside with Tiffany playing with her lawnmower, chasing the dog. She's like, there's a killer lawnmower after you. Run. <laughs> that poor child. Yeah. So 10 bucks with the slipcover. I ordered some others too, but I think that'll come with my first shipment of the year. Nice, nice. Then I picked this up on, I think I got this on either eBay or Am- I think Amazon it was on sale. Arrow Video, The Giver, science fiction. It's Mark Hamill, kind of 80s body horror, science fiction. He gets transformed into this superhero. The cover that looks like the old video game Altered Beasts. Remember that? I think it was on, I think it was on Sega. That's what that looks like. Oh, my gosh. And then I have the Godzilla Criterion Collection set, and there's some issues with the discs sliding down and getting glue in them because they're in the back of the booklet. I mean, it's a beautiful set. So uh, Justin Beam shared in another group I'm in these custom-made cases. Oh, nice. So each one holds four of the Blu-rays, and the guy did the artwork, stuff on the back, lists all the special features, all the movies that are in each one. So there's two of them. Pick these up on eBay. And I pulled out two discs, and they had like an edge. Along the edge had a little bit of glue on them. So I was like, I'm glad I got those out of there. Now I could just show the book. Those special cases are just made from like a vendor, like a third party. Yeah, and I don't even remember what the name was, but he does a lot of box sets and stuff you can like take your movies out of the box set and put the box away and then just have them on the case he buys the blu-ray cases like these are four these hold four and then he makes the covers for them and the covers are amazing i mean the artwork's nice you know it's got all the special features listed all the movies that are in each one are listed yeah it has the barcode on it so if you want to scan it to like hey this is in my collection yeah, send me the link. I want to see what else he does. Yeah, well, let me see. Parasite. We were in Burlington yesterday for a family thing, and I stopped by the record stu- store, Weird Heralds in Burlington, picked up Parasite for five bucks because I didn't have it. And then this place has like 50,000 records. It's got a big downstairs, and they have a bunch of new vinyl, um, CDs, tapes, some movies, um, even like little 45s. And then you go upstairs, and it's just a big, long room full of records. And they're all by, like, here's country, here's rock. I always go straight to the soundtracks, and they're in alphabetical order. And I had a couple, but I was like, I'm just going to buy this one. Mondo Carne. You guys know this movie? I know the title. So this is, like, 50s, 60s? I don't even remember when it's from. I've watched it. It's like the precursor to Faces of Death, per se. It was like a documentary just from, like, crazy stuff from around the world. Like, these people eat bugs, these people eat snails. And then at some parts of it are like, here's some sailors on a ship waving at girls in bikinis. You know, just crazy stuff like that that back then was, like, shocking to people. I think at one point they, like, go to a snake market where people buy snakes and they skin them and they take them home and cook them and eat them. So, like, back then that was, like, shocking to people. So it's a precursor to, like, those documentary-type movies that came out in the 80s. I mean, it's not worth a lot. I think on eBay it was like 10 bucks. I got it for $4. But it was just cool. I go in there just to look, and you don't even know this exists. And you're like, oh, 4 bucks, I'll buy it. That's got to be a weird soundtrack. Cause, I mean, from back then, it's just got to be a bunch of like orchestrated background music. Like There is one song on there that's called More. And I don't even know the song, but I guess it's been covered by like Frank Sinatra and some really famous music artists and won some awards. 
the last thing, this is going to be your guys' favorite thing right here. We went to Peoria. I don't even know what we were doing there. Went to FYE, and they had the Godzilla birthday party pack for 20 bucks, and I had to grab it. I was like, Finley, you want to have a Godzilla party for your birthday in August? And she's like, yeah, sure. And Tiffany's like, that's in August. You know she might change her mind. I said, listen, somebody's having a fucking Godzilla party. I don't care if it's me, if it's you, or it's her. But somebody's having a Godzilla party this year. One of us. I didn't think for 20 bucks. 12 plates, 12 dessert plates, napkins, paper cups, straws with toppers, a cake topper, a table, centerpiece, and a banner. For 20 bucks. I didn't think that was bad. And it's all Godzilla. That's what I got. What'd you get, Clint? Anything? Thank you. I'm picturing how Clint uh, would celebrate that birthday. He would just set the box still sealed on the middle of the table <laughs> and then and then give you a white paper plate and be like, just imagine it's Godzilla. <laughs> get, a, get, a, get a crayon and draw Godzilla on there. You know what's funny about that is, you know, Boots just had a birthday on Friday the 13th. And so I got a, um, a Friday the 13th party pack. I had the plates, the cups, and the napkins. I got everything set out, and we completely forgot to use the plates and the napkins. We used the cups, but we got all done, and I'm kind of picking up the kitchen and putting stuff away, and I look, and I go, oh, shit. I was like, we didn't even use the <laughs> So we're like using them now at dinner time just so we can use them. You know, It's pretty funny. Uh, wh what did I get? Uh, I, got, I got nothing. I got absolutely nothing. I guess this is the second episode. Since I've been with you guys where I've got absolutely nothing. Kind of repeating myself, but Christmas rolled right into Boots' birthday. The oldest has a, she turned 16 in May, so we got a car purchase coming up. I'm traveling to Pennsylvania for the Valentine Bus fan film premiere, so that's going to cost money. And there's just not a lot out there right now that's on my radar. But one thing that I did look up is last year, 2022, I, I can't remember if you guys did or not, but I pre-ordered the Stevie Wayne action figure through Sacred Bones. And I remember when I did, I was leery because I'm like, what the hell is Sacred Bones? And Jason's like, hey, don't worry. It's all okay. Well, you know what, Jason? It's not okay because it's still not fucking here. And so I look it up and cause it was supposed to be here in like December of 2022. And uh, yeah, it's. I looked it up the other day and it said that um, now it's going to be March or April. It said something about um, uh, supply issues or something like that. That's not so. Sacred Bones' fault that NECA can't put, get the figure done. Have you seen any from anywhere? Scream Factory had them too. Nobody has them. They're not there yet. So cool, you're bashing on Sacred Bones. I knew I shouldn't have trusted you. <laughs> when March or April comes <laughs> around and you get it, you're going to be kissing my shoe because you're happy you have it. I might be selling it to you because <laughs> I'll need some money by then. <laughs> oh, 20 bucks. And you're going to go, no, it's going to be more than that because it's going to be in the box. In the box. I won't even open mine. So, yeah, no, really? Yeah, no, I'm going to wait until I meet Adrian Barbeau, hopefully, and have her sign it. I still have toys in the box. And then? No, I, I won't. And no, then you're going to no. open it? I don't open everything. Oh, okay. Something like, if it's packaged like that, that's cool enough. Yeah, I'll just leave it like that. Like my Greg Nicotero crypt uh, or the... The Crete, that's still in a box. I got a Tony Todd signed Candyman. I don't know. I never opened my They Live figures. I never opened the the minor figure that I got. I still have some stuff. Some of them are tough. I'll give it to you. Like I got that, um, the burnt Chucky action figure. And it's really hard to see how cool he is in, in the way they have that box designed. I can't see how cool the Stevie Wayne action figure is because it's still not fucking here. But. 
Mine either. I get my movies. Like, I won't open Blades, because why do I need to? I can watch it on Tubi for free right. until someday I can't, maybe. Yeah. But, like, The Giver, I have to open that, because that's not streaming anywhere. Well. I'll have to watch that one. And when Killer Refrigerator comes, I'll have to open that, because <laughs> the only one I can find of that is, like, a shitty YouTube that's got, like, 40 minutes in the middle of the movie with no sound. Oh, damn. Well, and you you have to open that because you have to let me borrow it because I'm too poor to buy my own. <laughs> and it's got like four other movies on it with it. So I'm okay. We should make a sequel to that. Attack of the Killer Refrigerator? Yeah, how hard would it be? Oh, you got a fridge? Dude, hey, no, seriously. I've got this <laughs> old ass. Still in a box. No, yeah. Listen, in my in my haunt storage, I've got this old ass ancient international fridge. Yeah, we use it at the haunt. It's in good shape, but it's aged. This thing is cool as shit. Yeah, there we go. You got a lawnmower? We can make blades. I've got three lawnmowers. Make a crossover movie. We need the sequel, <gasps> Killer Deep Freezer. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. The crossover, I like it. So it's kind of like, you know, Freddy vs. Jason, Godzilla vs. Mothra. It's like attacking the refrigerator vs. the lawnmower. <laughs> We're on. We're on to something here. You know damn well there's a market because you're all giddy. I'm talking. You're like, I'd watch that. And then at the end, they fall in love and they have little lawnmowers and little like wine cooler fridges for kids <laughs> and take over the world. Oh <laughs> man, how nice! Wow. How nice would it be to have a little fridge strapped to the top of your lawnmower? You're out there fucking mowing. Ooh. I need a beer. Bam! Holy shit. You're going to be on Shark Tank. <laughs> They're going to be like, man, you're stupid. I don't even think we have to take it to a sponsor this week because we just figured out the next million dollar idea. But I don't know. What the hell? Let, let's let's take it to a sponsor. Grab some cash for the show. Hey, everyone. This is Chuck Ryan from Chuck Ryan Cosplay. I portray the minor in Valentine Bluffs fan film. I want to personally invite you to the big celebration being held at the Union Hall this Valentine's Day. Pick up your loved ones and head on over to YouTube on Tuesday, February 14th, where you can be our Valentine for the premiere of our My Bloody Valentine fan film, Valentine Bluffs. See you in the mines, where it gets a little spooky. So now that we've heard from our sponsor, we're going to talk about a movie. Is this an instant classic? Cold 80s? Was it 80s? 88, 1988. Yeah, it felt like the 80s. Cold 80s classic horror comedy kind of? Uh, uh, I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> I'm laughing. <laughs> Twice dead. You do love me, don't you? Don't you? Good. Then fulfill that love or we both die. Shall we dance? Dance in the dark. Tell the two men. We're dancing in the dark. And it's, and it's a classic because it's been released by Shout Factory. Yeah. So they've already done the work for us. What'd you guys think? I I want to start by saying the top line of my notes here. The fucking cat's name is Meow. Meow. I was like, how fucking dumb is this? 
<laughs> it's just I was I was in a mood while watching this movie, man. All my notes are all negative by how they made the movie and like cut into different scenes and all that stuff, but well, hey, so so you don't like the movie because the cat's name was Meow. Do you like The Walking Dead? Uh, I did. Because Daryl's dog's name was Dog. Jason's going, fuck, there goes everything I was going to say about this. He just, I sunk your battleship. I was going to say something about the hillbilly population, but I don't want them against us, too. <laughs> so... <laughs> we already lost everybody else. We're just talking to ourselves now, so hey. Well, at least we're having fun doing it. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, this is going to be one of those cool shows because I think I, I, I actually enjoy this when, when we pick movies like this, old movies like this, and I, I absolutely love this movie. I have since I've seen it, and Jason doesn't, and so we get to, to play back and forth off that. But yeah, Twice Dead, I don't even know if it's going to be a cult or if you could say a cult classic because there's just a lot of people who haven't heard of this movie. In fact, we brought this up in the last episode when we were interviewing the organizers of Motor City Legacy Horror Con because Jill Whitlow, who's in this movie, is going to be featured at their con. And I brought that up and they were like, no, we didn't. What's, what's Twice Dead? But yeah, it was released in October of 1988. I wish I could have found some uh, budget statistics, but I, I couldn't. I remember seeing the cover of it um, when Brian, I, I'm terrible about keeping up with our group chat and Brian was telling me what it was and I looked it up and I'm like, oh, the cover looked familiar. I don't know from where, maybe I've seen it on Screen Factory, maybe I've seen it going through Tubi or something, but, and I wasn't really familiar who Joe Whitlow is and I was looking up a lot of these actors in the movie and I'm like, I don't know any of these people. And then I'm like, oh shit, that's that person. Oh shit, that's that person. You know, I was the the majority of my notes here are I mean it was loaded with noticeable talent at the time yeah I could sit here and what one two three I've got about a dozen of the actors that were in this film that if I oh they're in this they're in this TV show this movie you're gonna go holy shit so yeah it was loaded with with talent at the time you just brought up the the cover art the cover art's iconic it's got the giant mirror with the the he's kind of the magician with the noose around his neck popping out of the mirror and he's you know kind of like that pale blue I think. Was he a magician? No, he was a stage actor. Stage actor at vaudeville traveling. I was like, maybe I watched the wrong movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, you watched the right movie. The cast name was Meow. I think one of the first things that drew me to this when I saw it was this was one of the first movies that I can remember seeing that broke that fourth wall, so to speak, of special effects, kind of like summer school did. Remember that scene in summer school? I'm sure you guys have seen summer school where um, they come in in the classroom. They The two guys in the class were special effects artists and they made everybody in the class look like they were murdered. So it was kind of like one of those movies where special effects was brought up as it's it's this thing that exists, you know, instead of trying to hide it in, in the movies. So that, that was cool. <laughs> so a little synopsis of the movie just off the top of my head. I'm not going to find it on my phone or anything, but a, a family, father, a wife, son, and a daughter moved to Los Angeles in a house. Their uncle left them or a family member left them. Pull up to the house. There's this gangs living in the house or just kind of hanging out at the house. The cops shoo the gang away and the gang's pissed. They want the house back. It was their territory. So fight ensues between the family and the gang. What, the son's going to, like, school for... Special effects artists. Yeah, special effects. Yeah, special effects. So they're new to the school. They're new to the area. You know, they're making new friends. But this gang's just kind of always hanging around and harassing them. And it has kind of a light undertone at most points. I seen where somebody said, 
a couple edits and this is like an after school special. <laughs> you leave those in and this is not an after school special. There was some points where you're like, oh, this is, you know, kind of lighthearted. And then it flips. Like at one point, the Tiffany watched it with me. At one point in the movie, the gang comes and the, there's a ghost in the house of the vaudeville actor. And I don't gather that he's too happy the family's there. Uh, he scares Meow out of the bed and the cat runs off and the girl wakes up. Nope. He likes the daughter. He likes the daughter? It reminds him of the girl that he had. Was it the ghost that scared? No, so so I watched that scene, and I, and um, I, th I believe it was a black cat also. But typically, yeah, yeah. black cats or, or cats are supposed to actually be guardians. They guard against evil spirits. So you always hear a lot about black cats are known to if there's you're sleeping and there's a spirit in the room trying to get you, they actually kind of stay in guard like a little guard dog. And um, but that cat ran off. Something scared it. And if you remember that scene. She wakes up, tries to go find Meow, the cat. The gang has it nailed to the door. And so the, I thought that too, that, but I don't think that was the ghost. That was Crip, one of the gang members, who was the whole reason that gang hung out at that house. Because you, you find out as the story uh, evolves that he was drawn to that house for a reason. I think he went in there, got that cat. That's when they took it out and nailed it to the door. Yeah, because she's like, who killed the cat? And I was like, well, I think the gang killed the cat, but... I felt like the ghost maybe scared the cat away, but yeah, it makes more sense that he would have been in the room watching her sleep. The ghost woke the brother up because the do the, the the sister was getting attacked. And I, I have a comment about that, too. And I was like, oh, thank God the brother woke up to his bed shaking and immediately ran to check on his fucking sister. It was so <laughs> dumb. It's like his bed shaking. And he's I, I would have been like, what the fuck? But no, he jumps up, goes, checks on his sister. Hey, she's gone. Come help me, dad. I, I don't know. It was it was just silliness. Was... Jason would have ran downstairs and been like, "Is all my Mike Myers shit okay?" <laughs> oh, yep. Uh, now run back upstairs. Tanya, you all right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Oh my god, there there was a lot of like holes in this movie. I see. I disagree. I think if you pay attention, and I know Jason sometimes you snooze during movies and like miss the little plot points. Ooh, took a shot. Just mess with it. But no. There's, there's a lot of things that they kind of easily explain as the story evolves with just a simple line here or a blurb there. I thought this was a great story, and I think it's actually what made this movie was the story. You know, it was kind of neat that the whole thing was when Tyler, who was back in the, the late 20s, early 30s when he owned that house and he went insane, he was in love with Myrna, who left him to be with Harry Cates, who, you know, took the house from him, and that's he killed himself. Tyler, the vaudeville actor, killed himself. And then when you flat, flash, forward, flat, flash forward to the future, it's the Cates family that move into that house. They're related to the guy who took the house from him. And then you find out as the story goes on that Myrna and Tyler had an illegitimate kid. And I mean, so, and so of course the Jill Whitlow character is going to look like Myrna because it's a descendant of hers. You know, it's all, it's all tied together. I thought it was a great story. Yeah. Like the opening scene of the movie when he's dancing with the girl. I was like, is she dead? Because it, it was it was a real person. He was dancing with, with a real person, but her arm was like real stiff and down to her side. I'm like, are they making it seem like she's dead or? Yeah, at first you almost think that he like drugged her. She's like kind of catatonic. But you're, you're looking at it through his eyes where she is alive and real. But and then it cuts towards the end of that scene when the police and Harry Cates break in and you see that it's just a dummy that he's created of her. 
probably because she helped him on all of his stage performances. That's why I thought magic, because it looks just like her. It was probably cast off of her to pull off some of these tricks. And then, yeah, he stabs a mannequin, hangs himself onto the 80s. End of that show. <laughs> That's another thing that got me when, you know, the, the son wanted to be a special effects guy. He went up, found a lot of Tyler's stuff up there. The noose is still in the house 50 years later. The mannequin is still in the house. It's kind of weird. Because well, they, they explain they explain that, too. You didn't catch that at the end? So we're going we're gonna to go ahead and jump way to the end of this. And like I say, a lot of this was explained with simple little dialogue lines. But you find out at the very, very end of the movie. Well, I should say this before that. So towards the end of the movie, the gang breaks back into the house. Mom and dad had to leave the kids there because they had to go to bankruptcy court in, like, I don't know, Utah or Colorado, wherever the hell it was they came from. And uh, the gang breaks into the house. Crip, one of the gang members who seems infatuated with Jill Whitlow's character, Robin, is recreating the beginning of the movie. He's dressed up in a suit that he looks like Tyler. Um, he's got her in the same dress as, as Myrna, the assistant. They go upstairs to that attic room where you're saying the noose was there and the table's set. and everything. When you first watch it, it is jarring. Like, wait a minute, why is all this shit still here? Is the ghost keeping this alive? But Crip says to her, I've kept this here waiting for you. Yeah, I did miss that then. I wondered why it looked so good. Like the table setup was still white. Everything looked good. Yeah, because I get what you're saying. As you're watching it, you're like, wait a minute. This guy, Harry Cates in the, in the 30s, took this house from Tyler. Why is it now 50 years later, 50 plus years later, all of Tyler's shit still in the house and the house is trashed? But then you got to wonder, that's part they never explained. Did he buy the house and then decide not to live there because the ghost of Tyler scared him away? Did he buy the house and think this tragedy happened here? I can't sell it. I can't live here. So this all the shit stayed there. But I think that the Crypt character actually brought a lot of that stuff back because going past the end, you find out at the very end that Crip is the illegitimate. Well, he's the grandson of the illegitimate son that Crip and uh, I'm sorry, that Myrna and Tyler had. It kind of sounds, saying it in person, verbalizing it, it sounds like a, a soap opera. But I tell you what, it's a really great story that unfolds unfolds well without pacing issues. And that kind of goes back to why Crip looked at the daughter so affectionately when he first saw her. Oh, he was just infatuated with her. The movie still had a lot of holes. Like, <laughs> you know, you could justify a couple of things, but a lot of, there was some stupid shit. Oh, I'll keep them coming. I'll knock, set them up. I'll knock them down, buddy. Let's go. Round two. Ding, ding. I love that it had um, Todd Bridges in it. Oh, Willis. But that's another thing I didn't get, like, close to the end when he dies. The brother's like, oh, Peter was the real hero. Like, do you remember that scene? Like, when he's talking to his dad or something, and I'm like, what the fuck did he do? Todd, Todd Bridges, who was from Different Strokes, he played the, the the kid's friends. And yeah, towards the end of the movie, he's at the house, he leaves, the gang just runs him down, kills him, hit, hit and run and kills him. Yeah, and, he, and so they say, yeah, Petey was the real hero. I guess I don't know why he was a hero for getting hit by a car either. I'll give you that. But It wasn't a hit and run. They stopped. They checked on him. He's dead. <laughs> Let's move on. Another guy should have said, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> was that before Different Strokes? No, it would have been after, right? Uh, after, it might even have been during. I don't remember when Different Strokes ended. So he's pretty popular at that point to be in this movie. Well, that's what I was saying. We, we jumped into the story. I'll jump back out, and I'll, I'll get through this quick, but... This, the cast was loaded. So you had Brooke Bundy and she played the mom. And of course, she also played the mom in Nightmare on Elm Street 3 and 4. So I mean, she's recognized. She's recognizable. 
Brian, I know that you'll know this, but Travis McKenna, he played Melvin, the motorcycle punk. He was also a bouncer in Road, a bouncer in Roadhouse. Yeah, I kept seeing him, and I was like, this guy has been in a lot of stuff. I know him from somewhere. And I was like, I couldn't pinpoint it, but I thought, like, maybe Mask. Is he in Mask, even, maybe? I th- yeah, I think he's in Mask. He's in, he's in the bike gang there, too. Yeah. So I was like, he's, I mean, and the dad. I was like, he looks familiar as all get out. He's from a bunch of old westerns. You had um, Jolene Lutz, and she played the the female punk who survives at the very end and reveal reveals that she looked after Crip and she found his family history and that he that's when when she tells us that he's related to Tyler. She played uh, the stenographer in Night Court, and there was another night there was another Night Court actress, um, Janice Elrich. She had a real quick cameo in this. She was a female cop about halfway through the movie. She was in Night Court. She was Leon's caseworker, social worker. Mm-hmm. Leon the drunk guy wasn't he the no, drunk Le- at all? No, Leon. Leon was the kid there that Harry took after, took care of every once in a while. Yeah, Raymond Cruz. He was the punk who towards the end he gets electrocuted in the bed while having sex. <laughs> uh, no, my last note. Like after all the negative shit, and I but okay, the electrocution sex scene was pretty good. <laughs> that was pretty cool and they and they set it up earlier in the movie the mom mentions oh the i really could use a heating blanket right now because but the the cord's all frayed they set it up you know well raymond cruz who got electrocuted he was in training day he was in dust on two he played tuco in breaking bad i mean he's been in a ton of stuff oh remember yeah tuco of course you have jill whitlow who is i don't have to tell you if i have to tell you who jill whitlow is then cool then you're that means that you don't know and it's less competition for me i get to meet her this spring at motor city legacy mm-hmm. i hope the cops don't get called on me and um <laughs> jonathan chapin who played crip jason you should know who this is what else was he in do you know halloween five he was in halloween five he was in weird sign or i'm sorry risky business 16 candles say anything i, w- I was racking my brain with him i'm like I'm like, God damn, I've seen him somewhere. I actually, I, I looked him up and I'm like, oh, I didn't get it on my own. But I was like, oh, damn it. <laughs> like the character he played. And he, he plays, he plays almost the same character in Halloween 5. Just a little, little less psychotic. Right. Silk, who was like the punk leader. I couldn't, I didn't really recognize anything else that he had been in. But I don't know about you guys, but I got, he was kind of like the poor man's David from the Lost Boys. He <laughs> had that. Had that Lost Boys feel to him. Exactly what I thought. Yep, yep. And then uh, the brother, he reminded me of Zach Galligan from Gremlins. I swear he could be his like brother or stunt double or something. A lot of the same qualities. Tons of talent. Great story. 10 out of 10. End, end of show. Let's go. Maybe that's why you can't <laughs> find anything about how much the movie cost to make. Because they spent a lot of money. Didn't make a lot of money, I gather. Uh, well, I mean, we can't. I looked even too, and I was like, I don't find anything about the budget and how much it made. I thought the whole thing was weird, though. Like with the whole gang, that was just a weird gang. If the gang's pissed at you, aren't they going to come at you? But it was over a long period of time. They made a comment at one point. They're like, "Oh, we haven't seen those guys for like three months." You know, it was really weird how they were setting that up with the timing on that, and then when he was fixing the hearse up, the hearse was all beat to shit. And then, like, the next scene, the hearse is, like, beautiful looking when the gang comes back. and I'll give you that, too. First of all, I have a 73 Cadillac hearse. That was a 61. But I know that guy's pain working on it. And I wish I had a ghost to help me get it running, too. But, yeah, it, it, it had been sitting in the garage. And there's no way that it got looking that pretty that quick. 
But that was cool. It had the eighties, the eighties chasing. Every eighties movie has that car chasing, but it was with a fucking sixty-one Cadillac hearse. How cool is that, right? When we were talking about the movie, I was like, "Oh, I know why Clint likes this movie because it has a fucking hearse in it and special effects." He's in, hundred percent into this movie. Well, and Brian, you just we we talked a little bit about the budget, and um, yeah, we can't find anything, and I agree because actually the special effects weren't, especially for the time. They weren't too awful bad in this. I think they spent a lot of money on masks. They spent a lot of money on some of the effects. They, I think they spent a lot of money on some of the cast and stuff like that, like you say, Brian. But yeah, uh, unfortunately, it, I don't think this movie ever, ever took off. I mean, outside of maybe Shout Factory, I looked because, you know, we like to check Rotten Tomatoes, 35%. So, I mean, it's got a higher rating than a Maximum Overdrive. So what if Max Modra had like 17%? All right, here, I'm going to go through some of my holes that I have written down here. We'll talk about this real quick. Oh, bring them. Let's go. Yeah. A lot of them are just comments. I was like, oh, let me steal this fucking motorcycle and drive it right back to my house. And then just kind of <laughs> leave it there. And the gang gets there and he's like, oh, good. Here's my bike. I'm just going to take it back. Where else would you go? Well, they stole his bike. No, but okay. Hold, hold on. Nah, you bring him up. I'm going to, I'm going to, you set him up. I'm going to knock him down. Here we go. So I thought that too when I first saw it, but think about it is when they're on the, when they're on the basketball court, the gang and, and the brother and sister, and that's when you meet Petey, when they get into that fight and they take the bike to get out of there, why not drive it home? You got to get home anyway. And they saw you steal the bike. So they're coming for you regardless. Yeah. Yeah. So they know where you live. Like <laughs> it's yeah. Next. <laughs> oh, and then I had a comment. I was like, um, oh, the power company can't fix the lights. But the little brother can go downstairs and fucking fix it. The power company had already fixed the lights by then, but they still couldn't. She she was like, the power company said they fixed it, but we still can't get the lights to come on. Meaning they like they they turned they turned the power on. They didn't go down there and like. I thought she made a comment that they couldn't get it fixed or something. But the brother. But then later on in the movie, I'll I'll, I'll talk about myself here. Later on in the movie, we find out the brother is kind of handy. Maybe he can do some stuff. Maybe he can figure some stuff out, you know? He's MacGyver. And then Petey, I was cracking up. Like, this was stupid. Like, the library scene where he goes there and he's like, oh, he's like, oh, the old Tyler house. I heard some family just moved in there, you know? And they must be like the Adams family. Knowing this guy you're talking to is brand new to the neighborhood. He's asking questions about it. Wouldn't you put two and two together instead of talking shit about him? But I, I know they were just trying to add a little bit of comedy to it. Oh, here was the biggest one for me. The brother has a dream and the noose ends up wrapped around his neck. And the dad comes in and he's like, oh, you really got yourself wrapped up in this. <laughs> <laughs> like not freaked out that he has a noose. <laughs> it wasn't the noose part, but it was like the rope for a noose was like wrapped around his neck. He wasn't worried about that. <laughs> he just thinks his dream was so bad. He was all wrapped up in it. Can you defend that? No, that's it's just no. That's, that, that's it's undefensible because that's just subjective. I mean, that's you know. I guess I dismiss that as whatever. He had a bad dream. He was wrapped in rope, and the dad came in and glad he was okay. And you know, I don't know. I know how to okay. I, I guess I guess a, a movie like this, I'm not going to watch. Go, hey, I think it's a great movie, but that scene right there was fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. These are these are just my notes. I, I wanted to share them. You know. No, and I sure. and I have at the beginning when the cops just happen to show up at the house right when the family does. How coincidental is that? <laughs> you know. Well, they were in a bad they were in a bad part of L.A. I think they were just patrolling around. That was a cool looking house though, like big and old, and like looking. And then the, that female cop didn't want to arrest anybody because they couldn't positively ID them because they all had masks on. They they know who they are. They know them by name. You know. I know the other cops did at least. 
And then my last thing I had is like, oh, the dad's like leaving the family when the the kids are getting attacked by the gang all the time when he was going to go back to Colorado. And then after I wrote that note, they made a comment about it's been three months or something like that. So and then I had a comment about the hearse and then the sex scene. That was pretty good. I, w- I was cracking up how she was like, you know, she was riding him, riding him, riding him. And then he's dying. And then all of a sudden, right at the end, like, so what? He came in her and that was electrified. That's why she finally like fell over and died. <laughs> it was funny. That that part was good. It's called conduction. <laughs> well, I'm sure my penis can <laughs> conduct electricity, too. <laughs> like, if it can't. If I'm getting electrocuted, grab me by the dick and pull me off of this. I don't want to hear about your fantasies or your fetishes. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you? Hey, Clint, I'm going to grab this exposed wire. Come here. <laughs> Why me? You live closer to Brian. Uh, I, I already tricked him with that one. <laughs> <laughs> Old exposed wire trick. <laughs> exposed wire. <laughs> yeah, this movie's getting better. Well, at, at least what I, what I'm getting is is that you enjoyed this film. Laugh, cry, scream, or die. It is you enjoyed it. You're having a good time with it. So that's the important part. Uh, I kind of did. I kind of did. I enjoyed the special effects, but I mean the hand when they're the sex scene at the end when the hands like all exposed and like melted away. That was cool. I thought it was silly too when the uh, for a second when the the mom and dad had to go back to like I say yeah Utah Colorado Colorado again they they explained it as like bankruptcy court they were going through a hard time and it was one of those things where they didn't want to go they had to go you can't just go well sorry I can't come because I'm being attacked by a gang who wants to kill my family and take this house from me but you know I thought it was I thought it was interesting too because in that scene the dad takes the the son to the like the junkyard or whatever and he's trying to teach him how to shoot and it had this they threw in this little bit of kind of like second amendment issue slash old school thinking versus new school thinking and the dad's like here you need to learn how to shoot this shotgun and protect yourself protect your sister we have to leave i can't not go and the kid was all against it and he's kind of like no guns aren't the answer violence isn't the answer he had this whole old school young new school but what i thought was cool was the kid was reluctant to use the gun and the dad's like kind of trying to push it on him you know be a man and protect yourself and the kid grabs the gun and just does a dead shot boom 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 so they threw they threw a little bit of a uh, substance in there they tried to yeah there was a couple points in the movie where i i talked about like it was real kind of lighthearted and fun like they stole the motorcycle and they ride it around and they take it home and the gang comes and then you have the sister they're trying to rape the sister so that and they kill the cat that's a big turn and then it kind of got lighthearted again and then the car chase, that's fun. I mean, he pushes the casket out of the back of the hearse and the guy wrecks his car like up on the railroad tracks. Um, and then at the end, it takes a real big, you're like, what the fuck just happened? At the end where uh, the dude blows his brains out, I'm like, what the fuck? Did he really just blow it? Like, And they show it, shotgun in the mouth, brains on the, you know, the wall. I was like, man. I did not see that coming. We always bounce around, but if I if I remember the, the chronology of it, after they steal the bike, the gang tries to break into the house. Mom and dad have left, and the gang tries to come in to do whatever they're going to do to get their revenge. The brother and sister 
have it all set up and they have ether and they kind of like take the gang out one by one, apply all these special effects to them and have it set up where it looks like they're being killed, which that was a problem I had like the first couple times I watched this movie because I'm like, how did they come up with the head sculpt so fast? And you just, I, I know enough about special effects where I know you can't recreate someone's face in 10 seconds, you know, but they planted little clues throughout the story where, like you say, when the cops said we can't press charges, we don't have positive identification because they had masks. And then you see that Robin, the sister, was sketching them out. She's like, oh, you did that by memory? You know, and then you see a scene later when he's fixing the hearse where Robin's sculpting stuff with clay. And, of course, you know, the brother is handy, like you say, Jason, and he's going to school to be a special effects artist. So you kind of put two and two together. It's like, OK, they had this plan. They knew they were coming back. They set this hole, which you had to to pull that off. So that's how they knocked out some of those effects so fast, you know, scared all these all these gang members into thinking they were dead or turned into monsters, whatever. And that was kind of some levity too, Brian, where the next morning, Silk, the gang leader, wakes up and he had they knocked him out with ether and they attached this like big, (laughs) big penis looking monster from his stomach. Uh, the 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 chick punk who was dressed up like the cop, she's laughing at him because he's trying to beat it off. She goes, "Are you trying to beat off your monster meat and all this stuff?" That was funny. But yeah, then so to get more into the story, the gang comes back to get revenge and they actually they pay a pizza guy to show up and deliver pizza. And he like puts gum on the the door so it would it would close but not latch and lock. And then they sneak in that night and that now we're at the end of the movie. They drug the, the pizza and the pop and start terrorizing the brother and sister. When the guy was trying to hit the monster dick off, I was like, this is a fucking trauma movie. I was like, that looks like the deck from Tromeo and Juliet. Tromeo and Juliet. Yeah, it does. They're like cousins. <laughs> I want to know how they got the big guy in the dumpster. He's knocked out of dead weight. <laughs> yeah, he's a big dude. You know, that was, that was a funny little scene, too, when he wakes up and he's all sleeping peacefully. He's getting dumped into the, the garbage truck, and he finally wakes up, and he's trying to get up, and he picks up this used condom all slimy and shit. <laughs> <laughs> You guys are making me like the movie more. It's that's what I'm saying is is for for all its faults that someone might find. I, I, I'm repeating myself, but it's a great story. It's got cool special effects. It doesn't have pacing issues. Its silliness is explained through dialogue, and it's got some fun moments like that. And it's got a great it's got a great ending. It's a unique ghost story that I love how it ends, how it began. And actually, my main my main problems with this film are at the very end. I got a question. One thing I don't know. Maybe you guys can. I want your take on it. Towards the end of the movie, like I say, the the gang breaks into the house. They get the upper hand on the brother and sister. The recreate Crip is recreating the beginning. He's playing the part of Tyler. Robin's playing the part of Myrna. Right at the end, when Crip goes to stab Robin in the back, like Tyler did the dummy of Myrna in the beginning, the switchblade, the blade retracts. Do you think that was Tyler, the ghost, who was helping the kids out? And he retracted the blade, or do you think Crip retracted that blade because he loved her so much he didn't really want to kill her? I thought it was the ghost. I mean, he protected her in other ways, so. That's kind of what I thought, too, and that's probably the answer. But I uh, I don't know. The way it went down, I'm like, I don't know. But, yeah, I think, I think my biggest issues with this were at the end. That scene happens. The blade retracts. Crip supposedly thinks that he stabs Robin, and then he hangs himself, just like his... It'd be his grandpa or great-grandpa? His, his grandpa did back in the 30s. 
Yeah, that's that's the scene where you're talking about Brian, where Silk, the leader, Tyler, makes him shoot himself with the shotgun. That was pretty graphic. He's like, I can't stop it. I can't stop it. And he's sitting there, and his mouth is open. You see a little smoke come out of his mouth. It was pretty crazy. But so um, that all ends. The gang's taken care of. Stoney, the big, tall punk, he got his head smashed by the dumb waiter. All that stuff's done. The very end of the movie is Robin having a dream that Crip is now haunting the house and trying to kill her. And she wakes up screaming. And this is the, the my biggest problem with the movie. The brother comes in and he says, what's all oh, you're having another another nightmare about Crip? Crip's dead. He's gone. He's not here to hurt you. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. He died. You you went through this whole supernatural experience. And now all of a sudden, because it's over, you don't think that Crip is here to haunt her. He can't haunt you. He's dead. He can't hurt you. Well, what about Tyler? And he died the same damn way. And you find out they were related. And then as he's walking away at the very end scene, like they're walking in the kitchen to get a drink of water because she was scared from her dream. The brother says something about, you know, there must have been a reasonable explanation for everything that happened. And I was just like, bullshit. That was bullshit. You have this great story. You went through this arc and now you're just going to dismiss it at the very end. He's just trying to make her feel better. That could be. Because I don't know how you go through all of that and then just wake up the next day and go, nah, I really don't think that there's a ghost. Nah, nah. I went through all that, but it wasn't that bad. But And then it ends perfectly. You have that scene happens. The camera pans up to the giant mirror above the stairs. And you find out that Crip is now haunting the house. And he busts through the mirror. And then the great soundtrack kicks in. <laughs> Classic. My two questions. I already asked one about the cat. So maybe one question and one statement. Statement first. Was that not a weird fucking brother-sister thing they had going on? Yeah. Like, I was like, what the fuck is this? It felt boyfriend and girlfriend a lot. I mean, maybe they really were from Utah, Clint. Uh, it wasn't Colorado. I don't fucking know. There goes Utah off the list. They were Mormon? Oh, we just lost the Mormons. Definition of sister wife. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I oh, you just gave A and E their next fucking show. <laughs> no, you know what's weird is you hear a lot of time actors uh, i can't think of a good example right now but sometimes like let's say uh, an actor is supposed to not know or not like another character in the film so those two actors will stay apart from each other so it's it's genuine you know what i mean because you can you can look at two people and just kind of know oh there's a couple or there's a brother and sister or something I don't think anything that, because I, I know exactly what you guys are talking about. You almost got the impression they were a little closer than they should be. But there was nothing that they actually did in the movie as far as touch or talk that, that led on to that. I wonder if maybe the Jill Whitlow and um, the actor who played the brother were like maybe like interested in each other in real life or, you know, were dating while, while the film was being shot. And that kind of bled through. Because, yeah, there, there's nothing in the movie as far as the characters that says these two are spending time together when mom and dad are gone. Maybe that's why mom and dad left. They're like, fuck these weirdos. we got to get out of here. Yeah. Kids are freaking us out. Well, and then my other question was, who was the leader of the gang? Because at, like, one point, Crypt was like, no, don't do that. And then the other guy, um, knockoff outside, not outsider. Lost Boys. <laughs> seemed like he was in charge. So it was kind of like maybe a power struggle, but some points in the movie, they kind of both felt like they were in charge. So I was like, I don't know who the leader of the gang is. They were both in charge of running Petey down because they're the ones who were in the car when they ran him over. So It seemed long. I think Jason and I talked about this. It was an older an hour and a half, but there were some points I was like, is this over yet? Like, not that it was bad, I, and maybe it was just when I was watching it. 
it was later at night and I was tired. Or, you know, I just like, man, this seems like a long hour and a half. But once they started blowing each other's brains out, I was all in. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, I could use another hour and a half of this. <laughs> Are we ready to rate the movie? I was an hour and a half ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's only been an hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> I know it. I'm going to give this a four tainted pizzas out of 10. I think that's probably my lowest rating ever on this. I'm usually somewhat generous with it. It's a strong four. <laughs> like, <laughs> I wouldn't be mad years from now if I rewatch this again. Or maybe sooner. Maybe now that Clint has, you know, wisened me up about some stuff. He made some very good points about setting scenes up and talking about something that happens later. But yeah, that's where I'm at, four. So you're going to watch Halloween Resurrection like 42 times before you watch this again? At least 41 times, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what about you guys? I'll go next. Save the best for last, right? So I gave it seven shotgun blasts out of ten. I enjoyed it. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I enjoyed, the special effects. Seven. Seven, yeah, that's like a three and a half out of five. I mean, I'd watch it again, knowing some of the story and filling some of the plot holes in. And maybe not trying to figure it out, I would watch it again and enjoy the special effects. I mean, the talent in the movie is great. I'd watch it just to see all the people in the movie again. Be like, oh, I remember them from that. It's not every day you get somebody blowing their brains out Kurt Cobain style. I enjoyed that. Maybe I shouldn't have enjoyed it. But... <laughs> right. How dare you? We're going to cancel you. Damn it. You two are a couple of violent <laughs> sexual perverts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I love yes. this movie because it's got a great story and it moves along well and they explain things and set things up and the special effects great. And Brian's like, I love that scene where he blew his head off. And Jason's like, <laughs> I like the electric penis scene. Good <laughs> God. Boobs and electricity. <laughs> this movie got me. What'd you think, Clint? Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to give it a high rating. This is, so we've talked a lot of the past couple of episodes about. Like, like uh, we covered in the news earlier this episode about directors wanting to remake some of these these 80s movies. This is one that I think would uh, benefit from a remake uh, if they could actually give it a little bit better production quality. And because that is I, I mean, uh, this isn't getting a 10 out of 10. And one of the reasons is because of the production quality. Um, I think they could have put a little bit more focus and money in that. You know, some of the, the camera setups were, you know, the lighting was dark or. It wasn't consistent with with the uh, the visual quality. But yeah, I think this is one of those films with a great story that could benefit from from a remake. I'm gonna go ahead, and you guys are gonna hate me. I don't care, but uh, I give this nine dead cats out of ten. Damn! Oh, it's it's a great story. Great story. I've seen it a dozen times. Uh, there's nothing about it that makes me go, oh, "That's stupid." Of course, now every time I watch it, all I'm gonna think of is shotgun. Penis electric, electric, yeah, electrocution. Yeah. Why would we hate you? I don't have a cat. <laughs> Meow. <laughs> hey, so there was one little thing in this movie. This is dumb as hell, but it's a cool, a cool thing for me to tie in something else. There's a scene where the someone's walking or they're driving or whatever, and um, there's a bunch of graffiti on the wall, and you can't make out most of it, but some of it, someone had uh, spray painted MC5, which is a, a group, musical group based out of Detroit. If you guys, it made me think of, I just watched an, uh, a documentary on Netflix called Rumble, which is about Link Ray and about how uh, Native Americans influenced modern rock and stuff. If you guys, anybody listening, 
has some time, go check out that documentary Rumble. Uh, MC5 is featured in it, and it's a really, really cool story about a lot of great music. Great music, great story. I love it. Twice. Great penis monsters. That too. So now that we've rated the movie, talked all about penis monsters and everything, and special effects, you know what's special? Our podcast network, the PFPN. Let's hear from them. Bunch of penis monsters. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. So now that we've heard from our podcast network, the PFPN, we don't have a question because our listeners from Utah didn't send us one because they're lame. No, if you go back and listen to the last, I don't know, probably dozen episodes, please do because it's cool. You're going to find out that we basically alienated everybody. So it's no wonder we don't have a question. Has there been a movie that, for the podcast, or that you've recommended to somebody that you thought they would like that they absolutely hated? And you're like, I can't believe they didn't like that. Twice Dead? I was I was getting ready to say, I, I, think, uh, I think when I said, hey, let's cover Twice Dead, because we talked about it on the last episode with the Motor City Legacy Horicon guys, and they're having Jill Whitlow, and I brought that movie up. I'm like, hey, we should cover that on the next episode. And I think Jason was pretty mad about that. Other than Twice Dead, Jason, anything? Yeah, he didn't like when I said, let's do I, Madman either. <laughs> I know, I went through that, and I, I'm looking through our episodes here, because I don't remember everything, but yeah, I, Madman, uh, Blood Rage. You didn't like Blood Rage? No, I don't remember what I rated it, yeah. but... Has there ever been a movie that you're like, oh, man, I watched this, and I think my friends would like it, or Tanya would like it, your kids would like it, and then you put it on, and they watched it, and they're like, this is awful. I don't know why you'd make me watch this movie. Yeah, I try to watch Halloween Resurrection <laughs> with my daughter, and she's like, no. <laughs> Did you think she would like it, though? I don't know. I like them all. I always go back to The Burning with Clint. I thought that would be, like, right up his alley. Oh, yeah. Because it was his first as a full-time on the show. He did not like the burning, and I was like, what the fuck? Wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, I mean. That, that's when we learned not to trust his ratings. I remember Brian showed me the burning, and I absolutely loved it. <laughs> we watched it, and it was a great movie. All right, so since we didn't get a question from the audience, I have a question for the audience. We're going to put up a poll. I'm going to create some sort of graphic. We're going to do something. And I want to know what everybody's favorite is between The Burning and Twice Dead. If you haven't seen either of these movies, we want you to watch them. If you've seen them, cool. Chime in. And I want to know. We'll, we'll, we'll set up a poll. Is The Burning better or is Twice Dead better? We'll figure this out. We'll settle this like men on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> so now that we have a poll coming up. Oh, a poll. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Not everybody's going to like all the same stuff, and that's cool. I think it's actually 
and I think it's something we try to do on this show. We want to talk about things that are coming out. And we also want to talk about things off the beaten path. And we want to talk about things and we want to talk about horror conventions. We want to talk about fan films. I think one of the, one of the um, things that I strive for on this show is talking about things that people might not have heard of. In fact, like I say, when we were talking with the Motor City Legacy convention guys talking about Joe Whitlow, they twice dead didn't come to mind for them. And so we're talking about it. Maybe they're going to go, Hey, I, I'm going to check that out. And maybe they'll like it. Maybe they'll hate it. Who knows? You know, but I think it's important to direct people to things that they might not have seen. Because everybody's heard of Halloween Room Resurrection and knows that that movie sucks balls. Well, now that we're talking about this, I'm all hyped up to see that movie Blades because everybody's raving about or a couple of people are raving about it. And I'm probably going to fucking hate it. Exactly my point. He's brought it up. I came across it on Tubi the other night, so I'm going to check it out. You know, Jason will get like five minutes in or not even five minutes, 10 seconds in. And the trauma entertainment thing will come across the screen. And he'll be like, oh, off, turn it off. I think we've decided our next movie. Oh, Blades? Well, I'm down. Let's do it. Let's do it. There we go. Well, I've already seen it. I'll watch it again. Finley and I'll watch it again. I'm excited. I think that's the same year that Twice Dead came out, 88. Isn't it late 80s that came out? Oh, we should do a worst of the 80s. I thought we were. Pick an episode from 1980, 81, 82, 83, and we'll knock them out. We'll like talk about them all. 1988. See, same year. We already covered the burning, so we don't need to do what you're talking about, Jason. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm saying take all the years. Take a movie from each year and have like a tournament to get rid of them. I like it. I like it. Pick the best of all of them. The best or the worst? Ooh, yeah. uh. (laughs) That's going to be tough because it's going to be subjective. Because, you know, like I say, I love Twice Dead. You know, he doesn't care for it. So, I mean, there's going to be, that's subjective. I want them all to be bad movies, but we'll pick the best one, the best of the bad. Let's let's get through this burning twice dead pull, and then we'll experiment with your Frankenstein. No, my my synapses are like they're going crazy. I'm thinking. I already watched Troll Two this week. No, here we go. So we're gonna do this Troll Two. Good lord, that movie's terrible. Since the audience didn't show enough love to give us a question this week, we're going to task them with two things then. Jason, you put out your deal. I'm going to put out my poll. And then Brian's going to put up a poll at the end of it to find out which contest everybody thought was better. I got in trouble last time I put my poll out there, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Was it a rainstorm and it got electrocuted? (laughs) I think you mean something different, so I'm going to have to look this up. I wish we would have got a question. What are we up to? Anything? Anybody? Jason? Anything? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna patch into Clint's home cameras and watch him clean up all that snow. <laughs> Other than that, no, I've got nothing. I'm gonna check the weather and see if it's gonna warm up like you were saying and melt. Because when I woke up this morning, my back felt my back feels twice dead. I don't want to go shovel. Nope, I got uh, nothing exciting. I think maybe I'll talk to Tanya. We'll. Maybe go see, drive to the Capitol and watch that movie on the 11th, the My Bloody Valentine. That sounds fun just to kind of go do something. No, other than that, kind of still planning our, our spring. I really want to get up to see or to the Motor City Legacy Con. So that takes a lot of planning and taking time off and budgeting everything. But yeah, nothing in the next few weeks that I'm actually doing. Just working. What about you guys? Hopefully something fun. Make up for my lame life. Clint, nothing? No, man. It's uh, shoveling snow. There's, there's not a lot going on here. So I have 
I'm going to go see a knock on the cabin. We already got that night planned. We got a sitter. So, yeah, February 3rd or 4th, we're going to go see a knock on the cabin. Um, and then on the 11th, we're going to go to Burlington, uh, see My Bloody Valentine at the theater. Other than that, I don't watch the movies. Probably should pop in a couple of these movies I have laying around and check them out. Went to the Orpheum last week and watched um, Creature from the Black Lagoon and did some more networking with them. Be meeting with them in the spring. Sounds like we're going to try to get um, strange behavior in the fall. So just talk about that and work with them on some more movies, some stuff there. But yeah, other than that, not much that time of year. Not much going on. Movies. I don't know that anybody has a lot going on. I mean, convention-wise, a lot. not a lot of conventions. I am starting to see stuff, though. A lot of stuff on my timeline about conventions next year. Maybe we're getting back to pre-pandemic convention levels. So we'll have to make some tough decisions on where we're going and when we're going places, which isn't bad. So now that we know what we're not up to, don't forget to check us out on our socials. The I Like It Spooky Horror Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And don't forget to shovel your snow and take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, don't forget to get in on this poll about which is better, the burning or twice dead. Hey, what's wrong with you, man? Show some fucking respect for the dead, will ya?